Hey, and welcome to the Badger Talks podcast, the podcast which interviews experts from the University of Wisconsin-Madison community about the work, programs, and research, and what they're like as people, too. I'm your host, Ben Rush. Listening to this podcast will also give you a sneak peek of an upcoming longer talk by each guest. Our guest today, Greg Nemet, will join Professor Morgan Edwards to give a talk called Climate Solutions on August 17th at noon central, virtually. A link to the virtual talk, as well as past and upcoming talks, is in the show notes. For now, let's dive into the interview with Greg Nemet. Hi, Greg. Thanks for joining us on the Badger Talks podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing well today. Thanks. Fantastic. Could you start with the names and pronouns you prefer, please? Yeah, it's Greg Nemitz and it's he, him. Fantastic. Thanks. And could you give a physical description of yourself? Yeah, I'm a middle-aged Caucasian male wearing a white and blue shirt today. I'm wearing glasses and I'm feeling pretty hot today because it's uh, a pretty toasty day in Madison and I've been pretty careful not to run my AC, but I think I'm going to have to do that soon. So I'm sweating a little bit. (laughs) I'm with you. Uh, Trying to interview people in an apartment complex um, with, you know, AC off and everything else like that. It is also steamy on my side too. Yeah. We'll get you out of here soon enough so you can turn that AC on. Um, (laughs) And with that, what do you do on UW's campus? Yeah, I am a professor of public affairs at the La Follette School of Public Affairs. So I teach courses in policy analysis and energy analysis. And then I do research on climate and energy policy as well. Fantastic. And I actually saw that you are a co-author on the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. Um which I saw that and I was I was fanboying pretty hard. So I'm excited to like <laughs> chat with you. How would you describe in a few sentences your work to family members? Yeah, so I work on finding solutions to climate change. And so a lot of that is how to make solar panels better and cheaper and wind turbines better and cheaper and have more people using electric vehicles so that they're affordable. And we start to see them all over the place and for other technologies as well. So that's that's what I'm working on. It can be kind of a dire problem, climate change, but um, the solutions just keep getting better. And it's actually really exciting to be working on that part of it. Fantastic. Is there something you wish Wisconsinites could take away from your future Badger Talks presentation or from the podcast today? Well, I mean, I would just say that the you know the problem of climate change is getting uh, worse and it's becoming more apparent to everybody. And I think that's pretty obvious just from a cursory glance at the news or just people's experiences and what things have been like around here and other places over the last few years. But the solutions really are getting better and more feasible and more affordable. So I actually come out more optimistic than I have been at any point over the last 20 years that I've been working on this, um, that we're actually going to do something substantial enough to, to make a real dent in the problem. So yeah, that's where I come down on it. I'm, I'm actually quite optimistic about it. Yeah. Is there something specific? Because I could imagine if you're teaching classes on climate change or doing this policy, sometimes that outlook could be a little bleak. Well, you know, exactly what you just said. I mean, I used to find that I did a great job of convincing students about how hard this problem is to deal with and what a a difficult situation we are in and how late we are really doing something about it. But I feel like they all got that pretty clearly, pretty easily. But that's not what I really wanted to take away. Uh, I I wanted them to realize there's something we can do about it. And so I started making a list of reasons to be optimistic about dealing with climate change. And over time, that list got longer. I 
began to believe each item on the list more. And I realized that other people had their own list ahead of the things that I didn't have on my list. And so it's things like, you know, what I work on, especially is the technology getting better. That's one thing. Another one is examples of lifestyles and cities and places with that are efficient and low carbon and then have really high and inclusive levels of well-being. And those are models that we could all uh, aspire to. And then the youth movement too. That's something that, you know, people have been talking about that at some point that's going to be really important. Um, but we really didn't see much of it until the last two or three years. And now it's a global force and the youth that are engaged are just becoming more engaged. And as they get slightly older, as time goes by, you know, they're voting and they're starting to take political office. And that's really going to make a big difference because those are the people with the biggest stake in the problem, even if they don't have the most responsibility for creating the problem. So that I see as those are real three areas where I see a lot of progress and a lot of reasons to be optimistic. Yeah, fantastic. On a more personal level, um, whenever I'm driving through highways or countries or looking across the lakes here in Madison, I see those wind turbines and I still geek out when I see solar panels. Are you similar in any way? I am. Yeah. I mean, I remember uh, with a colleague, we were landing, I think it was in Germany about 15 years ago. And I remember he said to me, he said, you know, in 20 years or some point in the future, we're going to do this and we're just going to see solar panels everywhere. And it was just last week, my daughter was uh, on a flight to Germany and sent a picture out the window of all these solar panels on top of buildings everywhere. And so it really is these people like my colleague 20 years ago who were kind of, um, you know, kind of on the outskirts or a little bit crazy for saying all this stuff could happen. Um, but it is happening. And the issue is it's not happening quite fast enough, but it's really happening. And so we're really at the point at which things could really take off so that this becomes a big part of the energy system um, but it's already substantial and it's ready to, ready to grow. So I think that's, yeah, I, I do also very much get excited about seeing some of that uh, infrastructure around. Yeah. And the wind turbines themselves are so massive. I've, I've only seen them a few times like being shuttled around on semis, but one of those fan blades, I don't know, it's like 30 to 60 feet long. It's just, it's amazing. All the technology that goes into it. Yeah. And they're getting bigger now. They're like football field length now because now we're doing them offshore. So they don't have to fit under bridges and on roads and things like that. And so now we're going to see some really tremendous uh, uh, pieces of equipment out there. Do you have connections to let me like go see that in action? <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, we'll go, we'll go take a tour. All yeah. right. I'm holding you to that, Greg. Perfect. Yep. Do you have any actions that people could do on an individual level to combat climate change? It's a lot of like systematic change. People in the office obviously don't want to put the blame on individuals because there's a whole, you know, huge amount of players in there. Um, yeah. But is there something like I could do to help out? Yeah, I mean, I, I just think about it in kind of three ways. So one is, you know, you do need this systemic change. You need policies and we need to be setting up frameworks uh, for all of society and companies and people to to push things in the right direction. And so, you know, voting can do that. Um, you know, working on a political campaign can do that. So that's one area that's that's really important. Uh, second, you know, I do think there are things you can do, like being careful about your thermostat, like I am today, and just sweating a little bit, but realizing that's not a big problem if I dress appropriately, like I'm wearing shorts right now, there's no reason for me to wear pants in the middle of summer. So, you know, those types of actions, I mean, for me personally, it's how much I fly is, affects my carbon footprint. And so uh, I've been much more careful about that, even coming out of the 
pandemic. And then the third, I think most important, and this is where I kind of see the connection to students is finding ways to use your talents, like what you're passionate about, what you're good at, where you see an opportunity. There are so many opportunities in this transition to a low carbon energy system over, you know, the career length of someone who's graduating from college right now, the next 30 or 40 years, we're talking about like a trillion dollars of investment each year into modernizing the energy system. And there's way more than that in other industrial processes and agriculture. And so there's so many places to find a role. And so it's really about thinking about what you're passionate about. It could be, you know, engineering and technology. It could be on the science, but it doesn't have to be that. It could be on marketing, on community engagement, on making some change in your community. It could be on art and communication. And all of that is going to be important. So I think finding people people finding a way to use their talents uh, to do with this real problem is you know, something people can do, but it's also something that will really make this problem actually get addressed if, if many people do that. So that's, that's what I see as the real opportunity here. Yeah. And I really appreciate that because oftentimes I think with a huge problem like climate change, we can often feel like we're not doing enough, which sometimes may be true, but we also don't give ourselves enough credit to just use our talents to try the best that we possibly can. Yeah, I agree. All right. And lastly, I am curious, after you do a day's work of trying to combat climate change and educate other people about it, what do you like to do after work? You know, I think one of my favorite things to do on earth is to play pond hockey in the winter here. And there's, you know, groups that play on the lakes and ponds around Madison in the winter. And that really is my favorite thing to do. It's just a great communal activity. I love being outside. It's great being on the ice. You know, Madison has some of the most studied lakes in the world. So we can see that our ice cover our days of hockey have shrunk from 120 possible days to something like 90. So, you know, that makes me very aware and motivated to work on it. But uh, yeah, when it's good, when the ice is good and people are out there, there's, there's no better place for me. Cool. Hopefully you never run into like the Statue of Liberty that's out there sometimes <laughs> yeah, too. Have to watch out for that <laughs> yeah. yeah all right well greg it's been a pleasure to have you on here okay. um i love hearing about your work and uh gets me jazzed to know that there's some hope out there for climate change um and knowing that people like you and your team are working on it too so thank you for being on here great thanks so much great to talk to you ben thanks for listening to the badger talks podcast i hope you enjoyed the interview and if you want to catch more of greg nemet you can check out his talk on august 17th at noon central time the link to his upcoming talk and talks by other University of Wisconsin experts are in the show notes. Until next time, be well. Badger Talks podcast is a creation by the University of Wisconsin-Madison and Deeper Than Data Media. Music was composed by Bill Birdie. The podcast is recorded, edited, and produced by Deeper Than Data Media.